Hey, welcome back, everyone. I, once again, I'm excited to bring you this episode. It's actually episode 51, so I didn't say anything in the pre-recording part of the last episode with Dave Wiener, but it was episode 50, and it's pretty fitting considering just when I met him in my career and how important that meeting was to me. I don't even think he realized it at all, but... He's someone I really followed and respected a lot, especially when I was working in that space, the warehouse management space. But anyway, this week I have Claire Waite Brown. She is someone that lives in England who I've actually met in person. I haven't met most of my guests in person, honestly, but she's one that I have. And we, I I really like having people from England on sometimes just because of the differences in our language and if we can connect on that and I think we had a really fun conversation at the very end just about misunderstandings between Americans and British people and the words we use. So I think it's a really fun episode. What I think people might get out of it is that, first of all, it's never too late to do something. Uh, She pursued dance when she was in university. They call it uni here, by the way. And then that didn't really work out for her as a career. So she ended up pursuing another career and around age 40 she went back to start teaching dance and now part of her the way she's fulfilling herself and the activity she's doing is her podcast creativity found and in kind of empowering others to be more visible with their art but then also she founded her own arts company as well and it's just really cool to see how she didn't let it go. She didn't let go of the things she wanted to do. She just turned them into basically things she could do in a different way. And that's really neat because I think a lot of times we'll think we want to pursue something like, say, for example, if I said, oh, I wanted to be a writer, which is absolutely true and something I had trouble admitting to myself for a long time. And it didn't work out the way I thought it might, but it's something I'm doing in my job now. I have to change my intro to the podcast. I'm no longer an IT project manager. But it's just to show that if you're open to things happening and you're willing to make maybe changes or you're willing to see things a different way, you really can start to pursue those dreams maybe that you had or those hobbies that you weren't sure about. So that's what I got from it. That's what I hope you get and something else too. That'd be great if you get something else from it. It's a really fun chat. I think I'm going to leave it at that. Again, if you have guest ideas, you have feedback, you just want to tell me anything really, more than workpod at gmail.com. And you can also rate, review, like, subscribe. There are all kinds of things you can do. <laughs> so do any of those. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Here we go. Hey everyone, this week my guest is someone I met basically online on an app during lockdown. There were a lot of us in England and elsewhere using Clubhouse, and it's an app I'm not using that much anymore, but it's just an audio app. And so 
I ended up in some creative, like creative person groups and she was in one of them and we've gotten to know each other and she even came to see me do comedy, which was awesome. So it's Claire Waite Brown. She's a podcaster and founder of Creativity Found. How are you doing, Claire? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. So um, can you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell people where I'm talking to you from? So I'm in London and where are you? Yeah. Okay. So I'm in Oxford, just outside of Oxford in my little office. And as you mentioned, I've recently started the podcast and developing that now under the name of Creativity Found. And yeah, that's where I am. Awesome. Let's just start off with what is Creativity Found? Okay, so basically, I started the podcast, which was born out of something else I was doing that I started later in life. Um, And doing that thing, it's basically theatre arts classes for adults. It's called Open Stage Arts. And the idea was that that was just for the fun of it, a bit of singing and a bit of drama without the politics of maybe joining a um, dram theatre company, not having to learn lines, not having to audition, just um, hopefully a bit more relaxed and just for the for the fun of it. And while doing those classes and meeting the people coming to those classes, I started to come across people who were similar to me in that they were looking to get back a creative something that they may have had when they were younger and that they may have lost while working bringing up children, whatever the stresses and strains and normality of everyday life. And often creativity can be the first thing that gets pushed to the side because other things are more important. So when we got into lockdown and I wasn't doing those live classes anymore, um, somebody out there, a very wise person, said, oh, you've got lots of stories. She she was talking about podcasts and I had no intention of podcasting at all. And she said, oh, but you've got lots of content. And it was then that this idea clicked that there are people out there who have very different stories about their creative discipline and how they were able to get back to it as adults. So I had a few friends that I already knew with these kind of stories. So I started with them. And it's basically grown since then. And I've just met some wonderful people who have all sorts of stories of the kind of triggers that maybe got them. Sometimes it will be triggers such as ill health um, or burnout or stress that then make them realise I need to chill out a bit and I need to give a bit more for myself. Others, it will be maybe like I'm doing this, but I'm just not feeling happy. I'm just not content. Mm -hmm. And then finding that it's this creative thing they want to do that makes them happy. So that's been absolutely wonderful. So I've been chatting to all these lovely artists and creatives of all disciplines. And then it occurred to me that it would be lovely to connect the listener or people in general with ways that they can do what the what my guest has done so maybe workshops maybe exhibitions maybe subscription boxes or or just books or some way to say look here's some ideas that you can try so I'm expanding on the whole creativity found concept by now bringing out bringing together facilitators 
who can put their course because there are loads of wonderful people out there teaching adults to do weaving and making hats and teaching you to play piano but in a lovely way that isn't like learning scales and all the scary ways mm-hmm. so creativity found is a kind of community that's going to amalgamate all those sort of creative pursuits that that grown-ups can do in a safe place and feel you know relaxed and happy and calm because it can be quite scary for grown-ups to go and try new things but hopefully people can be encouraged by the guests that I speak to on the podcast and then you know to, to give it a go themselves as well. Yeah that's cool and I just had so many thoughts while you were saying all this because I have friends who you know they have kids and their kids are kind of of school age now and they're starting to find that they've lost parts of themselves during that process. And you have, you know, that as a mom is also right. Yeah. 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 And, and then they go and do creative things. I have one friend who does, and she's a listener. So I am mentioning her, but she does like um, etching. Right. And she'll go do a class for that. And she's an organ and she's a great artist. And then I have another friend who's just gone through some stuff in the past year and he just started drawing and he forgot that he drew as yeah. crazy as it sounds to read you could do something but he used to draw a very long time ago as a kid and now he's like in his 40s and he just started drawing and it's amazing and so yeah. I think there is that need to find that again right yeah and, and like I said earlier it often gets put on the back burner when other things become more important like you say about children I mean my, my daughter is 20 now and my son is 15 but when they're young your life is full of probably work and children and family stuff um but also I tended to have quite a good social circle then because Mm -hmm. there were the other parents and and you were busy doing things you're going to toddler groups or school and doing stuff like that and I found that when my children got older I lost some of those social connections as well Mm. so starting open stage arts for example which, if you think of it, is kind of modelled on the kind of performing arts classes that children can do, the um, Saturday schools, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to replicate. By doing that, I, I got a whole social life back again as well. So there is there is that finding something. I mean, I used to dance. I did dance for a degree, mm-hmm. and I just got back into really loving doing those exercises even though I'm not performing in front of an audience well I am you know the people in class but that connection with performance that I've that I've always loved even with the dance then when you think about you were a dancer and to the point where you got a degree in it and we're doing performance and then at some point that stopped I know when people have those kinds of careers and they stop sometimes you do end up not enjoying it anymore and so coming back to it that you were able to enjoy it. Can you talk a little bit about like, were you apprehensive in coming back to that at all? No. And I think another thing that comes to mind actually is that also people will completely block it off. If they can't Mm. do it, then they don't want anything to do with it at all. So I certainly had one of my guests uh, really enjoyed drama as a child, but it was made apparent to her by her parents, which is another thing, parental pressure, societal pressure, Mm. that can stop you uh, doing what your heart wants to do. And because she wasn't doing theatre, she completely stopped it. I don't want anything to do with it at all. And then she was quite brave to come back to trying it again. I mean, for me, it was never not there 
Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there in a big way. So, for example, you used to do aerobics classes and that, you know, that has a bit of yeah. that in it. And um, I just started to do a few more dancey classes that were fitness dancey classes. And then I went on to, to train to teach a dance fitness class myself. And then having done open stage arts, I started to get a bit braver in other things. And I joined a local street dance class and that got me performing again in front of an audience that I didn't know. So as a teacher of dance fitness, you are performing, but it's to people, you know, and and you're telling them what to do. Uh, This being in street dance, which is a completely different style of dance for me. Um, absolutely loved it it was really difficult to get started with I have to say my body was just not dancing in that way and it still doesn't as well as it should but it's it's pretty good (laughs) um and performing in front of audiences again and and for performers you you'll know they get I I will assume you'll know Rabia I certainly still get very nervous before any performance (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, absolutely and surprisingly so too. Yeah. Sometimes, I, are you ever surprised by how nervous you are? Yeah. Like, I'll yeah, be fine, definitely. and all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. You know? and, and I know exactly what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. And usually, and I know that I love being on stage. And I know that usually when I get in stage, my body takes over and it's all fine. But yeah, my, my family, if they come to a performance, they'll laugh at me and say, oh, she's going to start going silent now and start like, you know, pacing around mm-hmm. and I can't have my family talking to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> get all this. They know what my pre-performance kind of body and emotional state is. <laughs> and they just have to leave me alone. But once you step out on the stage and start, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Which is why mm-hmm. we keep doing it. Yeah, no, I agree. That's so funny. Cause um, I, I've noticed I don't sometimes have respect for myself in the way I should that I need this quiet time or I need to, I sometimes will just shut my eyes quickly and yeah. focus and whatever. But if, if certain people are there that don't know, then sometimes I just don't even tell them and I just kind of see what happens to myself, but it's not good. It happens on stage. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm flustered and yeah. Yeah. That's where you don't need to be dealing with other people. It's great when people come to see your performance, but I can't be talking to you much beforehand you were very Mm-mm. good you came and spoke to us beforehand <laughs> when we came to see you <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but then but that's because yeah. it was like day day four and I was like just okay I got this yeah. kind of thing plus yeah. I I did get nervous once I got on stage like it hit me all of a sudden <laughs> hit me like a ton of bricks every time um <laughs> I think one thing that's cool too is just thinking about how it's scary to try new things as an adult because did you interact with people who had never done theater i mean you might have interacted with people who did do theater and dance but then people had never done it because yeah i know people like that so how i guess if you think about those people was there a certain way of approaching them or it's all it all comes down to the initial way i put the classes across so uh in my website obviously in all my marketing I make a very big deal about the fact that it's pressure free it's fun it's friendly um there is definitely you, you see new people coming across the door who who want that challenge but actually are also really scared because you don't you don't know what to expect so mm-hmm. it comes down to the group and I have some wonderful teachers 
who completely understand the whole ethos of the group and that if people don't want to do something, they don't do it. If something doesn't quite sit right, you know, the teachers can tell and, and react accordingly. But then it's in the group of people as well, like people that mm. have been there for a while. They know what it's like to be there for the first time and they know how new people feel. And But what tends to happen is there's a lot of laughter in our classes and what tends to happen is the first muck up you know the first thing that you think you've done wrong something else I say a lot actually is you can't do anything wrong there's no wrong there's just doing something your way or doing <laughs> something differently which is fine but the first time somebody does maybe think they've done something wrong and it's just you just laugh about it or you just carry on I mean you'll know about improv for example you know you just got to keep going with it and yeah. just just go with what you've created so I've I've certainly had people say to me at the end of a class that was petrifying, but in a good way. And then you can build on that. But certainly it just comes across with the advertising and the actual atmosphere within a class that it's a really mm. comfortable and safe environment. And it, doing this stuff really isn't as scary as you might think from the outside. But I do know people do have a barrier to get through sometimes I'll have people book but they can't quite make it through the door mm -hmm. so there is a definite barrier of of taking that first step and challenging yourself but this is a thing from open stage arts that I've taken to creativity found is to try something and don't be afraid if you make a mess of it you know I say yeah mess of it it's not necessarily making a mess of it but maybe try something and don't do it how you think it doesn't work out how you thought it would work out it's mm -hmm. fine give it another go try something different you know whatever just give it a try yeah I agree with that and even one place I face that a lot is like at the gym I will sign up for a class like last week I did I signed up for a class and then I canceled like 24 hours before because yeah. I just was like oh, I don't want to go in and look like a fool yeah but I've also just approached the instructor before and said, Hey, this is my first time just so you know, um, yeah. I might not be comfortable. And I feel like when I do that, I feel pretty good. But when I cancel, I feel bad. So I think people, yeah, it's just trying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do understand that. And I have a, I do have a big fear of the unknown. I think that's what makes me most nervous mm -hmm. is not knowing what, going to happen um but as as a fitness instructor for example we are very aware of the people that we're looking at in the class and mm. well most of us are anyway <laughs> yeah. um you know there may be some fitness instructors that are more about them than about the class but most yeah. of us are about the class and we most of us know if you're new anyway um depending on the size of the class but we're there just to make you feel comfortable and again mm -hmm. with my classes <laughs> one of my favorite phrases is or something similar because we do these <laughs> dance steps yeah. and I'll teach them and then I'll say or something similar and if people go off doing something slightly different that's absolutely fine <laughs> well yeah like in yoga they always have the modified poses yeah yeah I I basically have done modified yoga for sure. I don't know if I've done regular yoga, but it's all been, <laughs> you know, modified yoga. So for you, I would say you did something new then with the podcasting and with going out or, well, we're not really going out with it too much, but yeah. uh, so 
what was that like for you getting started with a podcast? And how did you go about starting your own podcast? Well, I'm, I, I'm one of those people that gets an idea and then goes and does it, even though quite often I don't know how to go and do it. Many moons ago, I started a panto in the village that I live in because the village hall was looking for things to fill it. And some of us in the pub invariably came up with the idea of a panto and nobody else would have done it. So I did it. I had no idea what I was doing. And six years later, we don't do it now, but we did six or seven years of great fun pantos. And the same with Open Stage Arts, didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Same with the podcast. And I just learn as I go along and try not to worry too much. I tend to do this thing where everything's in my head Mm -hmm. and then it jiggles around and it jumbles all about. And I'm like, oh, and then I have to organize it, write it down, figure out what I need to do first. And then it sorts itself out. But from the podcast point of view, I had been on a course just a just an hour, like just a mm-hmm. workshop on Zoom that I thought was going to be about video editing, which I had recently learned on iMovie because I was doing the Fit Steps classes mm. in lockdown. I was doing videos for them. So I went on this workshop thing and it ended up being actually all about audio editing. And it was this particular podcast platform that I'm not very keen on, but I had a lesson in it and I thought, hey, I could do this. And then I just developed, I found out that that wasn't the right thing for me. So I tried something else, blah, 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 learned how to do the audio editing just on GarageBand, bought a little, did a little bit of research, bought a little bit of equipment, not much at all, went out there. As I said, I had a few friends already that I knew their stories would fit. So I went and interviewed them, put out a message on a Facebook group, on an arty farty Facebook group locally saying, you know, this is this is what the point of this podcast is. And had someone replied to that, went and met her and then just kind of grew a bit from there and posting on some groups and and then I started looking around and I'm seeing stuff on social media. I'm like, oh, I like that person's pottery. I'll just go and look at her story and see if she's got a creativity found story. So I found a couple of people like that. And you'll probably notice the, the, well, you might not actually, the difference in quality from the first episode to how I do it now. Obviously, we had to go and do things remotely. To begin with, I did them remotely on Zoom, which wasn't ideal, learned how to use some other programs, got much better at the editing. The first time I edited, it took forever. I mean, it takes quite a long time now, but I took such a long time with it the first time and the second time and probably the third time, but it got better each time. So it's just learning as I'm going along. Meeting people helps you meet other people. Clubhouse, as you mentioned earlier, we met on Clubhouse, has been amazing for meeting people, especially at the beginning of the year when we were all still stuck indoors. And I think actually the whole lockdown business has actually opened me up to more countrywide opportunities and meeting nationwide guests rather than maybe I might have just stuck with Oxford. But I was forced to go online and that opened lots of doors for me. And so I just 
you know, follow along and then ideas come to mind and I follow those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know with mine, the quality changed. I got it. I got this really horrible microphone that I thought was okay. And then now I have a better one and that makes a big difference. And then, yeah, editing. And I was, I'm a garage band person also. And now I'm using a different thing for transcripts that I've done nothing with yet, but I heard we're supposed to have them. So, yeah, you know, but I know exactly what you mean. Just kind of having to tinker with things and learn and, and keep going at it. In the editing, I haven't found it a way to make it much faster than it is, but I like your editing actually, because you, you cut in some, music in between things and stuff like that and it's it's cool so i i like it thank you it does depend on your guests though and i can tell now on garage band just just by looking i can tell if there are ums or lots of you knows Mm -hmm. or or the little the little ticks that people have that they probably don't realize they have you're right you can tell when you look at the the way the wave's going that's fine i i always thought that I didn't mind too much because what it the important thing was the content mm-hmm. and it was what was being said that was important. And I do, I'm in, so my proper job, so to speak, I've been an editor of books for very many years. So I am very particular on that and I do like editing and organizing and I do enjoy the audio editing process mm-hmm. uh, because I know that I'm making a really nice, um product for the listener without the listener knowing of everything that's gone Mm -hmm. on in between time um and that's what I like about podcasts as well is that it you you make it as best quality as you can but you don't have to be studio quality and you don't have to go out to studios and spend lots of money and and I'm certainly a fan of the ordinary person doing podcasts Mm -hmm. i do personally get a little bit cross about celebrities doing them because i'm like you've got your platform you're already on the telly (laughs) or the radio leave the podcasts to us (laughs) yeah i know i agree and it is funny because i don't and guests will know and i don't cut every especially the things i say i leave a lot of my blunders in for sure but i don't cut every single filler word out because there's no point that's not how people talk and i think if you listen to someone who I'm saying, if I'm telling my listeners, oh, I hope you relate to this person. And then they're so incredibly well-spoken that they never have a problem. It doesn't even make any sense. That's so unrelatable. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. And then, yeah, on the subject too of just the ordinary person being a podcaster versus, well, the thing with the celebrity podcasts, and I listen to some of them and some of them I, I don't, of course, but you end up with the same guests on every single one. So what's cool about our podcast is you don't do that. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, like neither one of us is going to end up, you know, on Chelsea Handler's podcast at this point or whatever, which is fine, yeah. you know, unless yeah. she wants us on, I mean, have us on, but. <laughs> <laughs> so for you other than, or maybe we've already talked about it, but just what do you find the most rewarding about the medium of podcasting? For you, what's been the most rewarding thing? Um, it has been, and this this probably could have happened another way with something else, but it has been the meeting people and the ability to meet people and to hear their stories. And all of my guests obviously have have a challenge that they've had to overcome in order to get to back to their creativity and. Um, it's always a positive 
story because obviously I'm speaking to them because they have got to that bit of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also understanding the very similar themes that, that keep coming up, uh, whether that be about education or I thought I was rubbish or somebody told me I should do it and made me not want to do it. And I, I now come across a few similar themes mm-hmm. as we're going along. So I just find it really interesting. It's all down to the meeting with people and and the guests and also learning about their art forms as well because I love to see – I don't consider myself – this is something I was talking about on another podcast because I'm like I don't consider myself to be a creative because mm. what is a creative? Is it someone that creates something? Is it someone that paints a picture or puts on a show? In some ways it is. In other ways, it's a way that you find to do something, whether that be overcome a problem or just make some food or or, or just get everything out of yourself. So, But I do like to learn about how, how other people are doing it and, and even how it has come to them. Because for, for some people, it's come from somewhere completely unexpected, Mm-hmm. Like they've got some acrylic paint and it's just, they've always painted. This was um, Farah, for example. Mm. She had, when she was younger, painted representational. And then when she was um, in India, she bought some metal- italic, <laughs> acrylic paints and out came these abstracts. And she had mm. no idea where that came from. So it's those artistic outpourings that also you know, really interest me. And I get to look at some wonderful art. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. No, it's great. And I I think I agree. I mean, I'm I'm always actually one of my favorite parts about it is even the editing too, because I always I don't like though I'm present during these conversations. I don't know about you. I'm not always able to absorb everything someone's saying. Someone's like, oh, I didn't realize God, how impactful that was or something. Right. Yeah, I find that. And I find that in other situations as well, because, for example, at Open Stage Arts, I I am often looking and making sure that the people in the class are happy. So sometimes I'm not fully engaged with the activity that we're doing. Mm-hmm. If I feel like someone, people people are all different. This is the weird thing. And if I feel like someone isn't, isn't going well with what we're doing, that, that can affect me and I'm not fully engaged. And the same with doing a recording Mm -hmm. I can sometimes be thinking right I wanted the person to speak a bit about this or we've gone off somewhere and I want to steer it back and I agree with you I've then gone back and listened and gone oh oh I hadn't quite cottoned on to that at the time so yeah (laughs) I do I know what you mean but crafting so it is creating because you're crafting then this end product that somebody's going to enjoy listening to so that is extremely satisfying Actually, that is so funny because that's where I wanted you to get. Oh, not with that (laughs) sentence, but I was thinking about telling you even after. I was actually thinking, oh, after I'm going to mention, yeah, you are a creator. But anyway, you got there. Yeah, I got there. uh, (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) These mind tricks are working. (laughs) I'll teach you. (laughs) I've had my own revelation. (laughs) That's what we're about. We'll have an epiphany series. So for you, so you mentioned that your professional career has been in editing, but then you've maintained like with Open Stage Arts and now Creativity Found where you're really promoting others' creativity. And and now we realize creating your own thing. 
So what impact has, once you founded Open Stage Arts and then now doing this, what impact has that had on your life, would you say, and maybe even your overall happiness or your family or anything because you have your day job still, but you're doing this? Yeah, I think it's given me, um, when I say confidence, I don't mean confidence. I mean, it's given me something of my own. And that is actually where Open Stage Arts came from as well, because I realized I didn't have something of my own. But that, that was for enjoyment. I didn't have something that I was doing just for me for enjoyment. And then I didn't find it. So I ended up starting Open Stage Arts, which is now a business. So it's not quite just for me for my enjoyment. But these projects, so to speak, are my own. And once again, look, we have another epiphany. They are my own creations. So by confidence, I mean, I have something that is all mine that I've created that I'm sustaining. Um, with work and children, in a way, you are doing it for an another end. And I loved my editing, my editing, I ended up doing, I wanted to do like um, high fi- literature fiction. And I ended up falling into illustrated nonfiction, which I absolutely love. And in fact, I do know a lot now about what some of my guests do because I've edited a lot of craft and art Mm. books. And there's a creativity in those books that I wouldn't have got if I'd been doing the fiction. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I think I would have found it very boring. So, So I've loved that. But it was for someone else. It, it was always a job, so to speak, much as I loved it, it. It's going in that direction. This is what you do to earn money. You make a book mm-hmm. and somebody else buys the book. And then when you have the children, you do what needs to be done to feed, clothe, take to school, take to swimming, la-di-da, everything. Your whole, your whole life schedule is built around the money work and children. And with Open Sage Arts and Creativity Found, it's given me – like things to do each day where I used to have a very strict framework of the children go to school. So I'll work, then I'll take them swimming or do whatever Mm. we have to do. That is less. So now the children are much older, have a lot of their own things to do. Don't need me doing that. I do take them to museums and they get cross with me, but you you have to do that (laughs) as a parent. But I have another framework now that is, that is all about me and not Mm. about, other people well it is about other people but it gives me a satisfaction that I've created it I've invented it so to speak Mm. and now I'm making it happen I think one thing people do is they judge themselves all the time and so they might think just I'm thinking about a few friends in particular but and even myself sometimes but yeah you are kind of setting your own path and you're not like beholden to other people necessarily or if you are it's your choice I mean I think I'm not a parent but I think parents as as wonderful as being a parent is I think it also has to be really hard because you guys don't get a day off I mean you just don't you know and if you do it means you've arranged for someone to do something and then you're owing them and I don't know it seems like a lot I mean I have plants and that you know I'm even worried about when I leave to go visit home what am I gonna do with these plants (laughs) I don't know what I do with kids (laughs) (laughs) just leave them with a drip feed of water that's true oh yeah I was gonna look into that yeah see you reminded me um so I'm curious too about dance. I think it's so cool. I, I almost was thinking, Oh, I should try 
that and I then I pictured myself falling but what dance were you trained in what type of dance yeah uh contemporary dance which wasn't my thing either so I wanted to be all hands jazz hands and I wanted to do show like musical theater type stuff and I would have been happy in a chorus I had no you know I didn't want to be a uh, main player I just wanted to dance and I did dance in Amdram um, while I was doing my GCSEs and my A-levels I was still doing that and I just thoroughly enjoyed that performance but um, so I would have liked to have gone to one of those jazz hands type theatre mm. arts dance schools but um, my mum was having none of that it's okay she won't listen to this I won't tell her so the compromise was that I had to do a degree So Mm. I did a degree in dance. And at that time, there were only, I think there were only about three unis that were doing dance Mm. degrees and they were all contemporary. And um, I had a great time at my university and I did enjoy the dance. It was a lot of choreography and you were all meant to be new and finding new ways of moving and new ways of expression. I was like, I just want to do the old ways of dancing. Um, (laughs) So I did thoroughly enjoy that, but it wasn't where I wanted to go. And I Mm. think that is what then made me change course. And I can actually remember being in this part of uni where you used to have to go to get your mail from the pigeonholes. For some reason I was sitting there and I was like, I know I'm not good enough at dance to make a career of it. So I'll choose my next favourite thing, which is books. Mm. Um, So I I made a career in publishing by just sending my CVs out and just getting whatever job was offered me. Um, And I did a bit of contemporary dance in London at the place on the side. And then that just kind of fizzled out and it wasn't a conscious decision it just kind of fizzled out because I was working and we were going out Mm -hmm. enjoying ourselves and and blah de blah so when I started again I was doing aerobics classes I it it, we'd moved on from aerobics then it was like body conditioning and things Mm -hmm. so it wasn't that long ago about seven eight years ago and I was doing some of these classes I was thinking oh I could train in this and I could teach these kind of classes. So I went and did my exercise to music qualification, which was fabulous. I think I was in my early 40s at that stage. So myself and one other lady, we were of that age. Everybody else was a lot younger doing that course. But I had a most wonderful time. So I got that qualification. And then very soon after this opportunity came up, to train in a particular dance fitness program called Fit Steps, mm. which is based on the Latin American and ballroom dances. It's all strictly come dancing time. So this is strictly come dancing is super popular. And this thing came up. So I'd never done that kind of dance before either. Um, but it's really suits me and it's really enjoyable. Um, and, and that helped me, I think, to try some other dance classes and stuff and eventually do the um do the street dance that I do now as well yeah oh that's so cool awesome thanks for telling me about that because I really like I don't know the street dancing I kind of want to see that now it sounds sounds really cool so do you have we've shared a lot we've had some epiphanies but do you have any advice or mantra that you want to share that you like to just that maybe you refer to or that you like to share with others 
Well, only what we've already touched on, actually, is to try it, even if you're scared that you might make a mess of it. It's not, you know, it's not brain surgery. You're not going to kill anyone. If you want to go do a watercolour course or you want to try pottery, what's the worst that can happen? It yeah. it might look a mess. It might look like a monster, but you're not going to have killed anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true, and that's a good... <laughs> That's a good litmus test for if you should try something. Will will you kill anyone? No, then try it. Yeah. I like it. No, that's giving yourself permission though, right? (laughs) Awesome. So I have a set of questions called the fun five that I ask every guest. So we'll get into those. So the first one, what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Okay, so I'm going to be a difficult guest and I'm going to slightly change that um, to, I want to tell you about a denim jacket. Perfect. I have this denim jacket and it's probably about 20, 19 years old because I remember buying it when Sydney was a baby and I bought it from French Connection um, as the only thing I could possibly ever wear from French Connection. But for some reason, I was able to wear that, and it's, and I still wear it now. But the reason I wanted to tell you about it, and excuse me if I laugh and nobody else laughs at this story, but I have a story. So a couple of years ago, we were at Disney World, mm-hmm. and they have these, um, we call them badges, they call them pins, obviously. <laughs> those americans but with their different words so <laughs> they have these lovely metal pins of all the disney characters mm-hmm. and my daughter and i were at one of these concessions looking at these pins and i was saying to her well they're lovely but i don't know what i do with them and this lady next to me she's turned around and she said she said have you got a ginger cat <laughs> now, now you know in the split moment when someone talks to you and you've got to answer I was like well actually I do have a ginger cat honestly I do so I said yes and she said put the pins on that what (laughs) I realized she was saying again an Americanism jean jacket So I did buy two of these pins. I have Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, and I have uh, the 101 Dalmatians, and they are on this denim jacket that I still wear to this day. But we now call this denim jacket my ginger cat. (laughs) That's great because it's so ridiculous. But I know, I know, and we do use different words there for sure. So I've got a jean jacket, but I'm just thinking like this pin cushion cat you have now too, but like... The thing is, so I wear jeans most of the time. That's my choice, but or my choice of attire. It's not like it's my choice. Someone's forcing some other kind of <laughs> trousers on me. But the thing is that throws me off here is the word pants, right? Because I would just say, oh, I've got to change my pants. And then that'll <laughs> sound like I have to change my underwear. It's like, what's up with her? Sound That's like you've weird. had an accident. <laughs> yeah. So I know we use different words in the States. And so now I'm always like careful, like my denim trousers, I call them sometimes, which I know is super awkward too. That's just weird. It is weird. I didn't want to say jeans because I didn't know because people say denim and I, I don't know what to call them. So, all right. Well, that was a good, I mean, people laugh. 
us. I'm sure. Let us know if you laugh. I still laugh about it every time. (laughs) Well, if you laughed, let us know. You'll be following Creativity Found and me, so let us know. Um, All right. If every day was really Groundhog's Day, I mean, now it's not as much so as it was, but still a little bit. Uh, What song would you have your alarm clock set to play every morning? Yeah, I like this. So I'm going with The Weekend Blinding Lights because it doesn't get old. I I think it's the best song ever. And um, I never tire of hearing it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say like that's my favorite song because I have favorite songs that are from my past and, you know, remind me of something. But that I think I could listen to that song every single day and not get tired of it. And it's, yeah. it just makes me so happy. Yeah. And I mean, I'm already thinking of it like it's, just, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. OK, that's cool. All right. So coffee or tea or neither? Well, Ravia, I, know. I think I you know the answer one. to this, I know, don't And you? I'm having tea yes. with you spilling it. But well, yeah. Definitely tea, and um, your other part in the show, I was I was compelled to speak out because she was complaining about tea. She's another American, and she was complaining in the show about tea, and I was like, I'm not having that. Don't you go complaining about tea. Yes, I am tea through and through. I, I drink so many cups of tea a day. I don't have milk. I now tend to have green tea. I did have decaf okay. black tea. Um, yeah, I started having decaf when I had anxiety and it started giving mm. me heebie-jeebies. So I've been decaf ever since. But, yeah, tea all the way. And I won't hear a bad word said about it. I like tea. <laughs> I like tea, just to be clear. Cool. All right. <laughs> and, okay, so this we might have gotten into this already, but – like, can you think of a time you like laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop? Whether it's the last time you did that or any time. Yeah. Um, recently, actually, we were on holiday in Kent and the four of us were at dinner and we started playing. It was Charlie's idea because this is something else I've bought from Open Stage Arts is making us play drama games <laughs> at the table. Oh. So we started playing Who Am I? You know, where you have to do yes, no answers. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up just in hilarity and I cannot remember exactly which comments made us laugh so much but the waitress in the restaurant was quite amused by (laughs) the whole table laughing out loud Um, (laughs) and there was another instant but this is really mean and I don't know why I found it so funny but it was watching that show on tv which I always you've been framed I always want to know whose line is it anyway (laughs) obviously it isn't and there was this little girl she was she didn't hurt herself she was sitting down and for some reason she just kind of slid and it was her face <laughs> she did it. and for some reason charlie and i just got in a right giggle loop on that and we just could not get out of that one so that's a little bit mean yeah no there was a guest that said little kids falling is what <laughs> not yeah yet. but but in that case yeah no it's okay i mean it's not meant to be a nice question it's just a it's just a question you know (laughs) (laughs) and the last one who inspires you right now okay well this is probably going to sound a bit um sycophantic and cheesy but all of my guests i mean they are the ones that have inspired me to keep going with the podcast their stories Mm -hmm. inspire me 
every new guest that I meet, the challenges that they've faced and, and got over is inspirational for me. And obviously, I hope it's going to be inspirational and encouraging for everybody that listens as well. Cool. I agree. I That happens with me too. And then is there anything you want to promote or any where you want people to go to find you. I'll link to your Instagram, for example, but do you just want to tell people where, where to look for you? Yeah, do have a look at basically it's creativityfound.co.uk. I'm building it up right now. I'm really, well, see, that's something else I've had to learn is, is building the website and, mm. and how to systematically make that work well, which is another kind of editorial uh, thing to make it really easy for people to use. But anyway, that aside, do have a look at that because I'm gradually building up and adding more people to it. So have a look. You can find the podcast episodes there. You can find some art, some of my guests there, some of the artists, some of their exhibitions and some of the workshops that are on offer. So I would say all you need to know is creativity found. Awesome. Cool. Well, Claire, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you it so has. much for being. Yeah. Thanks Thank so you. much for being a guest. Oh, you're All welcome. Right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening this week. You can find out more about the guest in the show notes and at RobbieHasSaid.com. Joe Mafia created the music just for this podcast. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Metke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let me know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work. Follow at More Than Work Pod or send a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Or visit our website, morethanworkpod.com. Give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review if you like. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.